You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello and welcome to Matt Meets the Music Industry, a music industry podcast where Matt it's the music industry. Um, I am here with a very old friend of mine, former guest on the show, friend of the show, Stefan Mersch of Benjamin Morris and Sunblazer. How are you, Stefan? Doing fantastic, Matt. How are you? I am good. Before we get sure into our topic of the day, have you met with Gary V yet? Have I met with Gary V yet? Um, no, I, I have not. Um, the, uh-huh. the, the golden goose has eluded me to, to this point. Okay, I have faith. Um, <laughs> you know, Benjamin Morris forever. Um, so what you wanted to talk about today was YouTube best practices for bands, right? Yes, yes. Um, I mean, you know, I uh, I manage our YouTube strategy over at Benjamin Moore, and um, it's, uh, it's, it's a beast. YouTube's a beast. Uh, I'm sure a lot of bands think about YouTube as this kind of, you know, I mean, it's it's a place to post videos, lots of, I mean, it's it's certainly somewhere that a lot of musicians go first to try and, you know, find out if they want to buy that next pedal, if, they, if they're trying to, uh, you know, home record, they're looking up videos to kind of help them. Um, it's a great, it's a great space for influencers and just content creators to kind of push push any type of content, but you know, that how to content, those product review, product demo videos are just crushing it, slaying on YouTube right now. It's, it's, um, it's through the roof and people are finding creative ways to kind of push that kind of stuff in a professional way, which, uh, you know, you see some of these videos and you're like, wow, they're so well done. And like the editing is so good. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, okay. So here's what I've noticed. Again, I want your thoughts on this. I feel like on YouTube, there's a few bands who really, really get it. Uh, the primary one being like Our Last Night. And the rest just kind of upload their videos there and hope for the best. And I feel like a lot of the bands who do really get it or a lot of the musicians who are like full YouTube musicians, like they, it's very hard for them to break out and tour. Like... How many years did it take Jared Dines to break? I mean, he didn't want a tour really, but like, I feel like you see these viral guys who are not, who are very talented, but not in a band because they're just doing YouTube all the time. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's really, what's really interesting is that there's this whole network of people who uh, like, it's, it's very secular in the same way that like Twitter is like, you know, you, you, yeah. you jump in and you can network with all the people who are very heavy on YouTube by just being there, you know, um, mm-hmm. jumping in the comments, um, leaving those uh, dropping likes, uh, dislikes, you know, just engaging in general on the platform um, has, 
people have seen success out of just simply doing that. But I mean, like, I think the hardest thing for bands is to figure out like what content to actually put on YouTube. I mean, because they're not thinking uh, in that way, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tricky and it's challenging. I mean, myself being in a band, I'm, I'm more thinking about like, what's that next song that I'm writing? What, what is my recording process going to look like? And, um, you know, I, I feel like I've heard you mention this before the, the notion around just documenting everything that you do, uh, and, you know, kind of trying to figure out how to take that stuff and compile it, edit it in a way that's going to work on a platform like YouTube, uh, is no small task. I mean, like as, as a, as a musician, um, I'm thinking about my art first, but like, you know, what you think about what people like to see out of YouTube and music, um, they'll, they'll hear your, your song and they want, they want to know what, how you made that sound, you know? So like, Mm -hmm. I feel like rig rundowns or something that might work pretty well for bands on YouTube. Just another way to engage people. Um, You know, music video content is always going to crush it. Live content is always going to crush it. Um, Especially if it's recorded well, it sounds good and it uh, translates well into the platform and it looks good on on a big screen because one of the beauty, beautiful things about YouTube is that it, there is no device at this point that, that can't really handle it. Um, so, you know, I, I think it was, it's something like 40% of all connected TV time is spent on YouTube. So like you have your Netflix, you have your Disney plus you have HBO max and YouTube is still taking up 40% of all of that time. And I mean, yeah, I, I think that among it's, it's 18 to 34 year olds, it's the, it's the leading streaming platform for them in terms of time spent watching so big number you can't hard to ignore something like that so i mean trying to figure out like i mean what's what's the path in what's the way in to kind of get get to these people um is is the challenge for musicians and labels and and everybody yeah yeah and that's where it leads to my next question where it's like you know, so you're talking rig rundowns. I think there's value in like commentary stuff too. You know, I think that one of the big protests I've heard is that, yeah, we want to put our live shows up there, but it's COVID and we don't have live shows, right? Like, I think that, I think there's a paucity of content ideas. Um, one of the things, the the main strategy I've seen work, and I want your thoughts on this for bands. The main strategy seems to be cover songs. And I haven't really seen for like non-established bands, I haven't really seen anything else work. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, you're, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you look at what two minutes to late night did during the pandemic and it like that, that channel just erupted with all of the collaboration. And I think that that's another thing that is big on YouTube is collaboration, finding people who are already have a following on YouTube and trying to figure out a way to work with them. I mean, there are live streaming um, partners out there, but like the at-home recording and the, the, the practice of just staying productive at home 
um, is, is definitely where it's at. I mean, the, the cover, the cover stuff, um, I mean, if, if you're, if you're comfortable and you can nail a cover, that's important. You got to really be able to nail that cover. And that's why I think two minutes to late night has been working so well. Um, then yeah, it's, it's obviously gonna, gonna blow up. So, but, but you look at what they did with the, just the people that they brought in, right. You know, you have like people from every time I die and clutch and like these freaking legendary bands, and just getting them together, recording a song, um, recording a song that everybody knows. And I, I think that that yeah. just made it, it was kind of a pandemic thing. I, I, I think, I don't know how much of it we'll see after. Uh, yeah. A lot of these guys are not going to be doing that post pandemic. They're going to want to tour and do other things. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's challenging. I mean, I, I think that there's, uh, but, but the, the collaborative, um, element of YouTube, I think that what one thing that's been, that's been catching my eye, I think is just the, like the live performances that are up with like levitation festivals. Like you, you have levitation, like jumping in and saying like, we're going to produce a fucking sick live performance by DOCs and you know it's it's they they do such an excellent job at just capturing the uh the live element of it I know that that we're saying that like it might be a while before live is a thing again but like you know I think that the bands that had live performances on YouTube before the pandemic ended up benefiting so huge from it while everybody was stuck at home like Slift, yeah. you look at that band Slift, they just, yeah. their KEXP performance just erupted. And, you know, now everybody wants their record. They can't make them fast enough. It's it's crazy. And that's that just goes to show the value of the platform, right? Yeah. Okay, no, that makes sense. And I just think like, you know, so if I'm an unsigned band or, you know, a smaller touring band, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, like I understand that Cannibal Corpse probably has hours and hours of raw footage that they can pay someone to edit and throw up there. But what do I do when I'm, you know, I don't have all that. Yeah, no, I I mean, I think that learning how to use uh, an iMovie or a Final Cut or a Adobe Premiere type platform is immensely valuable to you as an artist um, just in general, I mean, to be able to just cut cut that content yourself. I mean, like it's a skill that you can turn into a professional job if you want to. Um, so like, you know, starting there and, you know, being able to uh, like look up some ways to um, really nail lighting. I think that lighting is such an important piece of video content that people often miss. I agree. Um, That's why I shoot bacon spits outside. That's why we're we're recording this on Zoom and we're we're putting it on a podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. But I I think that you know those are the two most important things in terms of the video itself. Figuring out what content you want to do is a uh, is a bit of a, a different challenge, and I think that honestly, it's it's about trying everything and seeing what works best, throwing things mm-hmm. at the wall, seeing what sticks, kind of deal. Um, but you know, there are ways to kind of hack 
YouTube's algorithm a little bit in terms of like just SEO. Uh, YouTube SEO is a very real thing. And I think, you know, um, you have to look at what people, what are people looking for? Um, not just out of you, but in general, in like the, in the music world. So like when you're, when you're going out and about and you're trying to find video content from bands, um, maybe it's, it's beyond bands. Maybe you're trying to do that type of, you know, rig rundown, um, looking up what types of keywords people are typing in. And I think, you know, you can jump right into Google search. You can jump into a YouTube search and just see what's showing up and try, I'm not going to say copy, try and emulate a little bit of what they're doing in your title, uh, and in your description on your YouTube video. So like, yeah. And I, so, so I think, you know, I think the complaint I get when we talk about this is like, you know, so, um, Finn McKenty sort of infamously has started to shift towards a lot of this right where he started to be like have the sort of memeable covers um cover images for his videos you know and it's helped him grow dramatically and i've seen this happen for a couple of my other friends who are youtubers right you're talking about the thumbnails right Yeah, yeah yeah and my question is you know how do you make a good thumbnail for a band what does that you know like how do you make it for a music video especially if there isn't yeah i don't know what would you make the thumbnail for your music video how would you do that yeah and so thumbnail is another thing that's absolutely huge i i mean what i've seen work best is i mean when you're searching any type of how-to type content um you have these influencers who are using big, bold text on their thumbnail images that you can read while you're on a desktop computer or while you're on a TV. So, so the thumbnail has to have text on it that uh, can be legible and that small, tiny image. Um, But also it's that plus uh, a picture of your face. Um, It's, it's, it's really that simple. So, I mean, I, I, say I, I mean if you don't have a, a pretty face kind of sucks but <laughs> but but i mean the big bold text is the value add for you because you're you're sitting there going like um I, i'm scrolling through i'm looking for a video from this band and um i want to see a live video but i'm not sure what what when I want to watch it from, I don't know. I, I think that you can probably add um, something like live in Berlin 2016 to a mm-hmm. thumbnail. And that would be like, Oh, sick. You know, I love that era of that band. I want to watch that. Uh, that, that, that looks good. I'm going to click on that. And you know, the, the engagement on that thumbnail, the engagement on the uh, search results page of YouTube is another thing that will help you ultimately uh, rank higher when people are searching for either your band or other random stuff. Like you might be showing up for live in Berlin more if um, you're 
click-through rate is very good. But not only that, I think that, you know, once a person gets to the video, that's where it becomes even more challenging to just like, you know, keep them there. And that's why I, I keep talking about how important the um, actual editing and the lighting and, and the, the whole process around making the video great is so huge because at the end of the day, audience retention and watch time is another just massive um, ranking factor when it comes to YouTube search. So, I mean, if you're putting out shitty videos, it's not going to help you at all so then okay so i have two questions now one first before we get i want to get into ads in a minute here but we don't have a ton of time left but i just want to talk about youtube shorts i feel like this has kind of been like their tiktok knockoff it's kind of cool i've had some friends get some success what are your thoughts on it yeah it's a, I, I i don't know yet it's, it's a little bit early um i mean it's definitely a mobile only thing and i haven't i haven't really um dug into it too too much but it's the short form content is, is the, the future. I mean, it's, I think that what's interesting about YouTube shorts is that it works really native within that discovery news feed on YouTube. Yeah. So it's a nice way to, because not many people are doing it yet to like hack your way onto the YouTube homepage. So I mean, if you can figure out and you can figure out how to make something awesome and something cool, um, definitely throw it up there. Okay, cool. And then, so then I want to talk about ads, right? So my primary YouTube ad strategy for a music video, okay, I understand there's other strategies if you have other products, but for a music video is to just take my video, choose a bunch of similar artists and set up my video as like the pre-roll video on those artists page. And it seems to work pretty well. It seems to get some comments. It seems to definitely get subscribes. It seems to get relevant views, yada, yada, yada. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely uh, an excellent strategy. And what's great about YouTube is, I mean, you, you can hit all of the same nails that you're hitting on Facebook. And really better, I, kind of. Well, kind of, I, I, but, but I just mean in terms of like, you can target an audience, you can set a goal and you can, you know, just tweak and optimize based on what's working best. You know, it's, uh, yeah. I, I think that the, the capabilities in YouTube slash Google ads, um, it's, it's a little bit trickier to get used to. And I think that one of the, one of the good things that you can also do if you have Google analytics on your site is take the audiences that are performing well on your website and actually use them on YouTube too. I mean, it's, we're talking about prospecting here. So it's like mm -hmm. these people, these audiences may not be super duper relevant. So you definitely have to layer on some of that artist targeting audience targeting um, where you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't say targeting specific videos, but if there's, there are ways to target like subscribers of clutch, boom, your, yeah. your, your money. Um, I mean, I, I get, yeah, I understand. I mean, I, I kind of avoid some of that because I feel like clutch doesn't have as many subscribers as they do people who regularly listen to clutch on YouTube. Oh yeah. 
No, I mean, yeah. like the labels, I think the labels are who have the most subscribers. The subscribers yeah. You have some, some dedicated channels out there too. Um, and I think that, you know, if you can target the dedicated channels like Weedian or like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you've seen them out there that curate um, a, a certain genre of music. Um, that's a, that's a great way to kind of hack your way in. Um, but it's, I think what's really, really the, the beauty of targeting on YouTube is that you can get so granular and people are already there to watch video, watch a music yeah. video. So you're like, oh, I, I think if, if your targeting is good enough, you're going to get in the door and, uh, with, with someone who's already interested in that type of music. And if you blow them away, then which you should. I mean, if, if you, if you don't think that you're going to, then don't do it. But um, you know, if you, if you blow them away, you've got yourself another fan and that's, that's awesome. It's, it's another way to, to market in that you can hit the right person at the right time in the right place. And I think that's why YouTube advertising is extremely powerful. Just, I mean, beyond, beyond music, even it's, it's crazy how effective. And if you're, if you're spending a lot on YouTube, um, one of the really cool things is that they have this like brand lift metric which is basically it's it's brand lift, but it's also lifted users. So what you can do is after you've served an ad for a certain amount of time and spent a certain amount of money, um, you basically run a post campaign survey to a control group and to the people who saw your ads. And you can say, do you remember seeing an advertisement from the following in the last 30 days? And YouTube takes that benchmark against the control group and you can see an actual percent lift as a result of it. So, I mean, I think that that's really, really, really valuable. Um, I mean, for what kind of money do you need to spend to get there? (laughs) I think it's something like 10,000 a week. Okay. Yeah. My other question then tied into that is, so you were talking about using YouTube for sales and you know, one of the concerns I've heard is that people are not on YouTube to buy. YouTube is more of an awareness platform. And a buy strategy with Google Ads for sales is more using YouTube to build awareness and then trying to resell via shopping links or other stuff. Absolutely right. I mean, it's I think that awareness is the key goal there and hence the lifted users metric. Um, and, you know, to... It's awareness and also consideration. I think that, you know, for to, to get your face in front of people who, I mean, from a music standpoint, they might be thinking about buying a record from a certain artist and they're just like all about them on YouTube. So, so increasing your consideration just means like, you know, trying to get them to buy your record. Um, you need to have a video that is kind of, hammering that point, that. yeah yeah I, I would i would do if i was remarketing on youtube i might consider doing something like that trying to push a, an an album which you can you can upload audiences and you can build lookalike audiences in the same way that you can on facebook mm-hmm. on um youtube but um you know I, I i love i love the strategy that you had for driving awareness i think that you know that's yeah it, and then just retarget from there absolutely 
on and retarget from there on shopping or retarget from there on uh on youtube yeah big time no but but for, uh, either or you're saying yes either or okay sorry i just wanted to be clear on that good okay that was a whole lot of information and not a lot of time um yeah no youtube youtube is uh is a beast it's the second largest search engine in the world it's also a social network so um you know use yeah. it to engage with people definitely respond to every comment that someone leaves on your video um yeah try and find people to partner with on youtube i think it's insanely valuable use hashtags in your descriptions um make playlists on your channel um and i mean use those good thumbnails i i think that you know the, there there aren't enough bands that are using youtube in a really cool way and i think that if if more could start to figure it out um you know it's a content creator space so i think sure. that yeah well sure um, no i mean i think that makes sense and i think that people definitely don't treat it as a content creator space you know what i mean um any final words of wisdom for our intrepid young YouTubers out there? I mean, treat it, treat it like it's Spotify, honestly. Um, if, if you're a band and um, you're looking for a platform that not only exists on your mobile phone, um, every, which, which follows you everywhere you go um, on your computer, but it also exists on your TV um you know this is the platform so um you know spotify it follows you where you go but youtube a lot of people go here first so um 100%. don't ignore it is is probably my word of wisdom and then just the more you start to use it the more you'll start to figure it out and you'll you'll hack your way uh you'll hack growth for sure absolutely there we go this has been matt meets the music industry You've been listening. Thank you, Stefan. Of course. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.